Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. Y'all, I've heard this passage so many times that it has lost its meaning for me. Which is a shame. Because loving one another is the distinguishing characteristic for followers of Jesus. The word for love is agape. Agape, of course, is not romantic love or even brotherly love. Agape means an attitude of sacrificial, unconditional regard for someone else. A new commandment, Jesus says. Really? Actually, the commandment to love others isn't new. Love within one's community wasn't at all unusual. It was absolutely well-known and fully accepted that people of one group and family would love one another. What is new in what Jesus is describing here is that the disciples are to love one another as Jesus loved them. And as it turns out, Jesus loved them by serving them. If you're hearing an echo, perhaps it's because God wants us to hear this echoed. (laughs) Jesus loves others by serving them. Earlier in the evening on the last night before his death, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. John tells how Jesus got it from the table. He took off his outer robe, tied a towel around himself. He then poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was tied around him. Jesus shows his love by doing something outrageous, scandalous even. Foot washing was what you did as a demonstration of hospitality to your guests, which, after walking all day in dust and filth, in terrible footwear, can you imagine how good that would have felt? So now, it's not that Jesus includes the ritual of foot washing at the dinner, no. It was that Jesus was the one who was doing the scrubbing, Jesus takes on the form of a servant. But this is something that you need to know. Foot washing was so demeaning that even Jewish slaves were exempt from doing it. Only non-Jewish slaves washed feet. Jesus becomes that which everyone looked down upon. Now, the details about how Jesus did this, I believe, are important. You'll notice, if you look back at earlier in chapter 13, where the foot-washing moment comes from, it's unique only to John, and it has a sacramental quality. John goes out of his way to, to throw in other details that we might find unusual or distracting. Not so. There's a reason why John wants to show that he takes off his robe, 
that he gets a basin, a towel, how he goes through the motions of preparing to serve. This is not an accident because it conveys that Jesus didn't stumble into this. He didn't halfway serve the disciples. He didn't just wash one foot. And Jesus doesn't seem to be doing this act of service reluctantly. Mm -mm. Jesus prepares. Jesus has the tools by his side. And Jesus plays the role of a servant in a thoroughly convincing and proper way. And for those of us who aspire to be leaders of Jesus' movement, it is important for us to recognize the care and love that Jesus employed to do the work that he felt called to do. Years ago, I was on another mission trip leading college students to a city in Arizona that had a large homeless population. We had a variety of things that we were doing, but one of our group was tasked with feeding the homeless. They found themselves in a kitchen with other volunteers who do this on a regular basis. And they were arrested by the, the lack of, of materials to feed the poor. Bread wasn't great. The peanut butter and jelly not particularly great quality. Sometimes there wasn't even enough to spread them between two pieces of bread and they'd put them in bags. And as they went out into the city, sometimes without even getting out of the van, they threw these sandwiches at the homeless. Sometimes the homeless caught the sandwiches. Sometimes they hit them unceremoniously and shamefully. Other times they ricocheted off the sidewalk and fell into a gutter and the homeless would scramble for it. Volunteers laughed. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he wasn't throwing sandwiches at his friends. Jesus was loving his friends. And to love them, he knew that it required proximity and touch. What Jesus did was completely unnecessary. Well, that is unless he was trying to make a point. Because after the foot washing element he says, do you know what I've done for you? As any good teacher would after an object lesson. He says, do you get it? Do you see what I've done? If I'm your Lord and teacher and I've washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. When Jesus says love, Jesus means serve. Because that's how Jesus showed his love. We cannot wait to feel love before acting in love. Agape love is an attitude. 
It is a, it is a sense of resolve to demonstrate actions of selfless regard for others. This is what God's love looks like. This is what service to others looks like. And y'all, if we are to call ourselves followers of this Lord also, we must obey his commandment to do what he did. A new commandment I give you, that you love others as I have loved you. When Jesus says love, Jesus means serve, because that's how he showed us his love. Tell me, who are you serving? If we're honest, we're serving ourselves. In our capitalistic culture of consumerism, the one who should be served is us. We demand to be served. We expect to be waited upon. We are keenly aware when we don't receive good service. So we'll go online and write scathing reports of our bad service where we should have been treated better. If you listen carefully, you'll hear entitlement seeping into most every conversation we have. We truly believe that we are owed something Let's be clear. Service to others has never experienced such utter disdain and ridicule in our culture. Today, there is little to no talk about sacrificing one's rights or privileges for someone else. Instead, we get defensive and our fists get tighter. All of our energy goes to protecting ourselves and our rights, dang it. Don't you dare take anything from me. If you pay attention to our culture right now, you'll see that serving others is for fools and chumps. The goal in all things is more, better for you, better for me, better for us. And there Jesus is. Looking like the servant that we want to judge. And he's at our feet. And he takes our feet to wash them. Jesus commands us to love others and to wash one another's feet. So perhaps the hard question is to wonder why we withhold the basin and towel in our daily lives. And I can't speak for you, so I'll just speak for myself. I don't wash other people's feet because I don't think people deserve my service. And if I'm truly honest, I'll tell you that there are those that I don't, not only do I not believe 
they are worthy of my service. There are individuals that I actively want to punish because they have in some way hurt me. So as I read the story, I'm deeply convicted that Jesus, Jesus' disciples didn't deserve his service either. And I'm deeply arrested that Jesus didn't stop washing the feet of those who would ultimately deny him. Ultimately, I don't carry around a, a basin and a towel because I don't want to give up my place in line And I pray that your confession doesn't sound like mine. I don't think that the strategy of imploring one another to love more selflessly is the answer. Right? I mean, that's what your Sunday school teachers have always done. This is what preachers do. They beg and plead for their congregations and their family members and one another to just love more deeply. Y'all, look around. It hasn't gotten us very far since Jesus' day, has it? But here's the thing. I do believe that Jesus' love does change us. I know it changes me. I know that the only good in me is Jesus Christ. When we have the experience of being unconditionally loved and called beloved, our capacity to love and to serve deepens. And that's precisely why Jesus' own words and preaching would never be enough. He had to give his disciples object lessons so that they could experience his love and ultimately would die to demonstrate the depth of his love and service for a people that he loved deeply but did not deserve it. It's called grace. And I do believe that this grace, if we really sit with it, if we're really exposed to it, it does change us, whereas well-intentioned sermons do not. For us to be changed we have to first experience this love. The only way people will know God's love is if we show them the love of Christ. Which means that instead of condemnation, we replace it with patience and a posture of listening. We are so angry right now we are so quick to condemn online to the friends that have our same politics. It is reflective of a bitter heart and a mean spirit. An attitude and hermeneutic of love means that we replace that spirit of condemnation with patience and a posture of listening. And likewise, instead of judgment and division, a spirit of finding places of connection, which are not impossible. I 
But it does require time, energy, proximity, and touch. And instead of withholding kindness and acts of hospitality, we wash the feet of those who do not deserve to be treated well. I mean, if you want a real good thought exercise, think of the individuals that make your blood burn and boil. And imagine that that's precisely the person that God is sending you to wash their feet. Jesus says that's how others will know that we belong to him. Because love means service, and service means love. We invite you to love and to serve alongside us as we do so imperfectly, but with a desire for our actions to be changed by the Holy Spirit that is at work in our hearts and in our minds. Loving and serving others requires preparation and committee meetings and emails. It requires clarifying ideas and thoughts. It means visiting with us in the office. It means asking good questions. Loving and serving others requires preparation and thoughtfulness and a commitment to the task. And if we don't do those things, y'all, we're just throwing sandwiches at people. So we strive to match your giftedness with opportunities to serve others. Let me give you some insider information for just a moment. If you wait for someone else to invite you to serve in a particular way, you'll never serve. The onus of responsibility to serve is on each of us. We need all of us to be on mission together, developing service opportunities as we have gifts to accomplish them. And therein is a paradigm shift. Because we start first with you and the gifts that God has provided you and us at this moment in time. That's where we start. And not with the great ideas that we have for other people to do. So a gifts audit, so to speak, is imperative. That is, we need to know what our skills and our gifts and our passions are. And then we must be moved to the point of action in volunteering how what we do can be the best reflection of the skills and gifts that we've been given. Because if we ask people to serve in ways that they are not gifted, y'all will either do it poorly or not at all. This last piece gets lost, and I beg your forgiveness for it. But y'all, Jesus' command is not just one more thing that we're supposed to accomplish. This is not intended to be a burden. Jesus is not in the burden business. Just the opposite. Serving others in love is the secret to our joy. Think about it. Think about the happiest, most joyful individuals that you know. 
And I will bet you everything that I have that those people are serving others. I know when I look out right now, the people who are most joy-filled are the teachers and the coaches and the retirees who do not see their retirement as time to sit back and relax on the beach. I see in you a deep sense of joy and gladness because you are taking your skills and gifts and you're putting them to work, doing justice, loving kindness, so that we can all walk humbly with our God. And I bet that's your experience also. In this age of desperately finding work, family, life balance, and self-help. It's really easy, y'all, as people of Jesus. Our deep gladness is when we love and serve others. We throw sandwiches at people when we feel obligated to do something, but our hearts are not in it. When love is lacking... But Jesus' love for us changes our hearts and helps us to see that we can do better than throw sandwiches at people. Besides, it turns out we have a fantastic kitchen to do so much more than smear jelly on bread. It's exciting to think what we can do together with the gifts and love that God has given us. Let's roll up our sleeves and work together to serve and not to throw. Let me make a sandwich for you. Tell me how you'd like me to make it. Let us pray. God, we do not expect to find you at our feet serving us. And yet, you do. When we deserve your wrath and eternal separation from you, you send your son to teach and to preach, yes. But God, you knew that that wouldn't stick. We had to experience it. You had to prove it, so you did. You helped and you healed you provided and you washed. And then you died. Help us be changed by this truth so that when we do serve God, it is with a heart of gladness. For truly, when we talk about you, O oh God, love is the theme. For it's in Christ's name that we pray these things. Amen.